and welcome to Point of Origin episode 71, the show where Tor Alexander Valenza just doesn't know what to do with Teal'c in an episode, apparently. Yeah, that that's accurate. We can give him as many attempted excuses as we can, as we want to. For me, it's, you know, because of the squee factor. And <laughs> Here's the thing, I'm always more willing to give a show or a writer the 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 gentlest of excuses sometimes that's you know we've done this show for 70 episodes that's my position most of the time is well or <laughs> like yeah this was not great but that's usually what i do and to be fair like this isn't this is an episode about two people however <laughs> Uh, Daniel is not one of those two people, and he still does a lot in this episode, so the fact that Teal'c literally just stands in the background, he he does one thing in this episode, he shoots one person with a zat, that's all Teal'c does <laughs> in this entire episode. As usual, he's just there for moral support, so just a bit of a disclaimer real fast, yes, I can hear how my voice sounds. <laughs> And yeah, it's just gonna be like that for for now. It was either we record today yeah, it was or we either don't get an episode out this it week. It was either record today or uh, don't record. Yeah. <laughs> Too much shit going on, man. Anyway, um, so yeah, <clears throat> hoarseness is gonna be dealt with. So moving on from that, this episode could be flawless, as in I would I could have literally no complaints with the writer, with every anything and everything, and yet I'd still... I guess it wouldn't be flawless, but you know what I mean. I could be really into this episode, down to, like, everything. 99.9% .9 satisfied. But I'd still have to acknowledge the fact that fucking Teal'c, as per fucking usual, is a goddamn side note. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bad. <laughs> good news is, is that it gives me something to bitch about in the episode, because honestly, this is a really fucking good episode yeah. that held up really well for me, and I hate it because of who wrote it. <laughs> well, let's actually go... Well, no. First... I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And uh, today's episode is season four, episode five, Divide and Conquer, which was written by Tor Alexander Valenza, who wrote Spirits. He wrote the, um, uh, uh, uh um, fuck, what's his why, name? I, I wanted to call him Michelangelo just now. Uh, Michello. Yeah, I get, Michello. The, the Michello <laughs> Not Michelangelo. episode. <clears throat> I'm sure he thought of himself as a Michelangelo, now that I think about it. I think, really, you just can't let Tor Alexander Valenza write women-focused episodes. So yeah, Tor Alexander Valenza wrote, and it's directed by Martin Wood, one of our other favorites. It's funny how attached I'm becoming to his directing style. Major Wood? Yeah, a couple of scenes in, and I was like, ooh, Wood? <gasps> Yay! <laughs> yeah, remember I told you the first well, ten episodes of this season are just Deloise and Wood over yeah, and over again. I mean, honestly, you could have told me that twenty seconds before I watched, it and I still would have been like, "Ooh, he's in this, <laughs> right?" Um, but yeah, no, it's, he was a welcome presence, and honestly, he did a fucking fantastic job. He did. But speaking of Machello, that actually did remind me of something real quick, mm -hmm. and I can even leave this in for once, uh, tangent as it might be. It's weirdly related, so. You know how every now and then um, I'll make my husband watch these episodes too with me. I had told him how much I loved the uh, the Nazi episode with uh, you know Odo and <laughs> not because of the Nazis that sounded weird out loud, but yeah, I, kept I told him I was like, Dan, I I, am, I might insist you watch this one because it's really fucking good. And hey, Odo, well, it is. 
And so we were watching it, and I was, we were, um, he and I were talking about how, because I was re-watching and realizing, so they never actually, again, they did not ever say on screen the words cloning. So no. I was like, I was like, thank fucking Christ. I thought I was a little crazy there for a moment. I totally understood still, like, where the element was. Like, I wasn't yeah. disagreeing with that, and Eric was even, you know, backing me up, backing you up on that, so it was great. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, okay, cool. At least they didn't say it on screen, so at least I had that going for me, which is because I'm too literal-minded sometimes. Yeah. So I was like, but they would have said it. Anyway, that's not the point I'm even getting at. The whole thing is, remember how you and I were talking about what exactly, you know, the source might have been for them, not just the cloning part, but, you know, like the whole background of that generation. And yeah, yeah so this is why I was saying, oh, speaking of Michello. So you remember how in Michello, we talked about how it was, I had pointed out that it was really, really cool how his uh, longevity machine mirrored the uh, the Goa'uld's sarcophagus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in a way, he kind of was the enemy as well. And it was, you know, yeah. this really well done element. Um, I realized they actually did that again in the Nazi episode. Odo's character keeps saying over and over, and over of my father, the generation of my father. They were making a verbal illusion. Oh. I realized it might have been, a, you know, another one of those cool illusions where they're just like the bad guys were, you know, familiar with. And so that's why they yeah. were, that, that helped with the whole cloning thing is that they were the generation of his father, as in they were all from the same exact, like, you know, batch clone brood or whatever you want to call it <laughs> and i just yeah. thought it was really fucking fantastic and i just wanted to point out because it was something we hadn't brought up in that episode yeah that's fair i just love how the show finds new and interesting ways or you know found new and interesting ways back then to keep the go old part of the story even when they weren't yeah i was very excited <laughs> by that i was just like wow man another reason to love this episode it's just so well done so yeah, it is actually quite well done. Yeah, and I gotta say this one is too. Uh, I just I wish I liked Tor Alexander Valenza more. <laughs> right? The good news is this is his last episode. So wow, they got rid of Catherine and Tor in the same season. <laughs> yeah, no, this was the final of his nine episodes, according to his according to his according to the trivia. And uh, last week was technically Catherine's last, yeah. her last one that she actively wrote. wrote. Yeah. She'll she'll show up one more time as the story yeah. origin, um, but someone else will have done the teleplay. And this is also the last time that I'll have to see the words special guest star for Vanessa Angel. Yeah, this is the last time for Anise <laughs> slash Freya, which is wild that, like, you have her say, yeah, I like you and Daniel. Well, I like you and, and, and Anise likes Daniel. Okay, bye. I'm never going to show up again. Bye. <laughs> uh, no hate to her. Uh, it's funny. This was uh, a lot of things for me uh, for Anise because for one thing, it was my two out of three. Her accent was better in this one. So I definitely think she was going for the American and something just went wrong in her you know, middle episode. Uh-huh. Um, I also hated her outfit in this one the least. It actually matched in some way, shape or form the character she was playing. It was less Which is stupid. And like, if you want to have a character who thinks like, hey, I really like that I'm attractive and I like playing that up. Great. Cool. The third outfit's the one that where you can showcase that while not looking like an idiot who doesn't know how to dress for work. Like, what kind of fucking historian scientist goes around with that many loose pieces, for one thing, or stuff that looks like it was going to fall off in the episode prior? This one at least looks utilitarian, if extremely sexy. Okay, but I need you to explain to me <laughs> why her underwear has leather belts. No, see, that's not uh, underwear. That's a different thing. Uh, it's it's under her pants. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 not underwear. I I don't know how to describe this to you. You wouldn't uh, care. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 a belt apparatus, but it's not underwear. It's uh, it's that 
This was around like the two thousands. That was around the time. Oh, the whale tail time. Fucking reason the uh, teenage girls yeah. would wear the G strings and pull up the string over. No, this is this is prime whale tail time. It was the alien version of whale tail. In a way, yeah. I'm, again, I wasn't really complaining because at least this one was like tight to the skin, and, and I don't mean that in a sexy way because like you know the baby doll fuck because me dress was also tight that way. Yeah, yeah. It, tightness isn't the issue. It's I wish more men wore tight stuff in the sense of, like, I, it's funny how many times men will wear, like, really baggy shit when they're trying to go do stuff that baggy shit wouldn't work for. But, you know, we're not mm-hmm. trying to sexualize them, so it'd be weird if we put them in skin tight. You know, it's shit, stupid <laughs> shit like that. Here, it's like, well, okay, but I'm, not, I'm also not going to go on the, you know, counter argument of, okay, well, because it can be, and, you know, more often than not is sexualized now we can't let women wear tight shit no 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 that's the wrong answer too so yeah Mm. i'm not gonna be upset about her outfit unless it doesn't fucking make sense at least this one made sense (laughs) that's all i needed and only took them three tries (laughs) honestly though my biggest thing was laughing because i was like who the fuck was this vanessa angel person that i can't remember obviously it's because i was too young to give a shit oops i dropped something well here's the thing i looked at her imdb I looked at her IMDb and yes, honestly, so did I. That's why the, I'm so confused. The most noticeable thing she did around that time was that um, she was she starred in the Weird Science TV show. Yeah, and that was about that time. So that has to be what it was all about. I think it actually had more to do with her model thing because sci-fi especially loves to do this. Like, and I shouldn't say sci-fi. Lots of shows do this. Supermodels and models like to make their transitions to the screen through TV episodes. So, not not Priyanka Chopra. Padma Lakshmi. She was in an episode of Enterprise, for example, with uh, Connor Tremere. You know, like there was that thing. It's just something they do. Like, you know, like uh, wrestlers when they're attempting to go legit. (laughs) Not legit, but you know what I mean. Mainstream. So yeah, it uh, it was. You know, I think it's a combination of whatever that you know weird science thing was, obviously, and in fact, I think she was you know runway esque enough that people were like, ooh. I just have to wonder if her role in Weird Science influenced her role in this. Maybe I, mean, I would. She wasn't I would an actual laugh at that scientist. Yeah, I would really laugh science? if that's why. Would... Well, just the fact that it was. It was the weird science TV show, so you make her a scientist. That seems like the kind of dumb leap that TV casting would make. I mean, again, honestly. I wasn't even really mad about her acting. Uh, she did a great job, for the most part, with the accent, and it, I've never tried to cover my natural native accent to that degree before, so mm-hmm. I, I can't really judge anybody who fails it. I just have to point it out when it happens. Yeah. Um, aside from a really ill-advised, no, in this episode, she honestly did yeah. a fantastic job, same as everybody else. I was actually going to say the casting agent for this episode did a great fucking job. Everybody, all the extras, they were good. Uh, so I do want to give immediate kudos for, one, this episode starting different from every other fucking episode in this show. We're not starting in woods. We're not starting with the gate in SGC with the alert. We're also not starting with SG-1 walking out of the gate on an alien planet. We're starting at the toker table where they're uh, talking about treaty negotiations. And we start with the line, Tuesday doesn't work for the president. That is the first line of this episode, and that takes some guts. I wonder how many takes it took before he stopped saying Tuesday, considering how everybody in that room was Canadian. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Tuesday won't work for the president. <laughs> but yeah, but the Toker are like, wait, so uh, how important is this treaty to the president? And they're like, uh, it is important, but the rest of the world doesn't know about you guys and that's a little bit more important at least i appreciate them outing themselves as keeping this as a secret yeah and i like that daniel is already doing his diplomat job by restating it 
more diplomatically, <laughs> where he's like, listen, he values this a lot, but he has to see the Congress on Tuesday, and he doesn't have a good excuse for why he couldn't show up. <laughs> I love that he has to say that as if... <laughs> I don't know. It just always amuses me when somebody has to specify something like that, even for like the audience, because it's like, I don't know. It's not that it's not that it's weird that he has to you know, provide an explanation. It's just the fact that, duh, the people in charge have a lot of meetings like they're busy. Yeah. But I do. I was I, I did have this moment where I was like, is this the first treaty they've actually bothered to have the president there for or even the first legally official treaty, despite the Toker not being their first allies? Well, I actually have an answer for you on that one. Uh, kind of. It's technically cheating, but the trivia did it first. <laughs> and the trivia is the one who brought up this thing that's technically cheating. Uh, but the process of writing the first Tauri Tokra Treaty can be seen in this episode. As mentioned by Dr. Daniel Jackson later in the episode Lost City Part 1, it is inspired by Dr. Elizabeth Weir's work. So to answer your question in a way, yeah, this is pretty much their first attempt at this because Elizabeth has just joined the program according to the later chronology. It's their first official one. Yeah, so like all this their is other their other allies are just like we're friends. ambassador type <laughs> situation. Yeah. So yeah, I just uh again, it's cheating because literally none yeah. of this is in the episode and it's not going to be brought up until way later, but you know, we, we we cheat. I mean, look, I'm not surprised the Toker are the first ones with technology high enough that the government, the US government would be like we need to lock this down officially. Like all of the rest of um of SGC's allies that like they could get to sit down for treaties are like less advanced than us cuz obviously there's like um the asgard but the asgard are fucking busy and they just kind of have a we're friends don't worry about it kind of thing going on there and then like obviously it's kind of the same thing with the nolan and the to the, the tolan and the nox i said the nolan and the tox where they're kind of like look you know we appreciate when you can help and uh, if it if it allies with our own interests we might help you as well but yeah, a little weird that I guess it's only because the Asgard are so fucking busy with the uh, replicators that they haven't tried to do a treaty with them. Because that feels like that would have been their first treaty, really. Hmm. But yeah, so they're they're trying to figure out, and I, I guess they pin down on Wednesday. Wednesday should work. So after deciding, okay, Wednesday works for all of us. Some of the some high people in the goal, in the Tokra um, start to walk in. And the fucking no-name guy who's been part of this negotiation the whole time. It's like, why is he here? Why is he even... That's my biggest question. Why is he there? How did he talk his way into this? He's the why red he shirt. Here? He's literally just the red shirt. Yes, but the problem is... He got specifically... So basically what happens is some high people in to the Tok'ra walk in. And this dude suddenly has this little finger laser weapon that he starts shooting with. And I love that Jack could only bother to yell warnings to everyone else, but as soon as this guy tries to shoot Freya, he can actually bodily jump and protect someone. Couldn't bother to move for anyone else, but Freya, oh wait, she has to do things later on in this episode. I gotta cover her. <laughs> now they're not wrong. There's a lot of that storm, I call it stormtrooper standing, where you're not you're literally just waiting to get shot. Uh, yeah. But real quick, though, before that, the shot where the, the scene where the guy raises his arm up to, you know, start shooting. I just wanted to point it out for its excellent directing because I really loved Daniel doing his, you know, diplomat thing where he comes up and does a bow. 
as part of the whole like you know it's really great to meet you yeah. thing to the tokra president equivalent <clears throat> I'm, i've been calling him the ceo of the, to- of the tokra in my head <laughs> for funsies but it's really cool because he's you know the focus of the shop and then you see behind him to the side a little bit the arm come up as the guy yeah. goes to take a shot and i just thought it was really well framed and really i just i like i really enjoyed that yeah well martin wood always goes hard but yeah so he, jack tackles freya out of the way and yells to get this guy's attention because apparently jack knows him decently well because him yelling to him is enough to like break through the brainwashing enough for him to struggle and then he just self-destructs with the little finger laser thing he you know, holds down on the button and it blows him up instead of being a gun anymore. But yeah, my my question is, how, why the fuck is this man here for treaty negotiations? I think he's their treaty person. How would the how would the gold know that this is the man you need to brainwash? He's not part of SG One. He's apparently part of a regular field team. How was it known that he needed to be? Brainwashed? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think they literally grab anybody they can. Yeah, but so how did he wind up being a, someone oh, who I, was at, that's blame my Tor for this problem? One, man. This no, episode. I'm not saying. I'm not. I, I def, I'm definitely not going to devil's advocate that part because who the yeah. fuck knows? As a lot of shows will do, they purposely don't let. For ex- with the exception, of course, being episodes that they literally call it into focus. Like, oh, it's been exactly one week since the events of this or whatever. Because yeah. it's significant for some fucking reason. For the most part, they will leave that shit out. They'll, you know, it'll be like some indeterminate amount of time, which can be weeks, months, or a couple of minutes. It really depends. That's the you know, the beauty of them existing just alongside the audience, quote-unquote, in a linear format, time-wise. But going with that... It kind of looks to me that this is one of those episodes that's taken place a few months-ish since, not like necessarily the last episode, but since other significant events. So it's been enough time for all the flashbacks that we're going to see. They've all had time to occur. It's not even about timing. It's about how that specific man getting brainwashed randomly on a field mission this random person who has never been shown to interact with the Tok'ra whatsoever... And apparently goes on away missions to other planets. He's not like an on-base person who just kind of sits there waiting for these diplomatic situations. Like, he's not like a Paul Davis kind of person. He apparently goes on off-world missions. How does this man, who's never interacted with the Tok'ra before that we've seen, warrant a seat of three people? There were three SGC people at that table. Jack Daniel and this man. How is one of the two people that got Zaytarked the man who managed to go to negotiate himself to that table? That's my question. It has nothing to do with how long he's been a Zaytark or anything. My answer still is part of that, which is, how does anybody show up in any? He's an extra. He's a guy who's, up until now, we've never seen him before, but now all of a sudden there's, there's backstory to him. I'm not disagreeing with the problem of him not being shown before. They should have used a set-up character, but it's kind of like with Shawnock just showing up randomly last episode with a bunch of backstory that we didn't know about. Um, the downside here, of course, is everything you're saying is correct. He's completely unknown. Nothing has... Like, they didn't even have a throwaway scene where like somebody will say oh hey this is that dude he's literally just here i'm not disagreeing with any of that but i think it's just them attempting to do the thing the same thing they always do which is oh how he just did i just i think all of my issues with this would have been solved with one single line that honestly would have helped with the entire zaytark plot to begin with where they say yeah 
uh, where, like, afterwards, they're like, huh, he was rather insistent to be sent on this diplomatic mission to the Tok'ra. Something where, like, the Zaytark programming was pushing him to show up here. That's my biggest problem. Just, like, why is he one of the three people here? The one person who was programmed. This is something we've, we've definitely bitched about before, is how many times has an opportunity been lost for a perfect throwaway line that would just set this up that much better. Um, but yeah, I disagree with you entirely. I don't think this guy is a great actor, but he's not on screen for very long, so either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's dead now. So we find out... So I, I do want to give Tor Alexander credit for this part because um, this is at least twice now where he's written in the court of a common trope theme without falling on the common trope response to it. For example, in the Michello episode when um, we actually saw Michello set up him being like a confused person who calls himself Daniel Jackson before he stole Daniel's body because he wanted to make when Daniel was in Michello's body claiming to be Daniel make that not believable. Yeah, we, like we, we already liked that part. However, he also didn't make SGC or SG1 not believe Daniel when he did tell them. Like it's like, like it's the common trope set up, but he doesn't go for the obvious answer to it. And he did that for Michello, and he does that here as well, where it would seem like if a member of SGC shot at, and I don't know if he actually killed them, they don't actually say whether any of these people are fucking dead. They don't seem that bothered, so oh, I have well, to They actually, um, they do say a little bit, in, in a little bit, when um, the uh, CEO dude comes through, Hammond says his little thing about, I'm sorry for the uh, loss of your men. And then the guy responds with, I, and I'm as well for your SGC members. So okay. I, that, that's that to why me when meant I said that they were acknowledging that dead. these guys were walking in, I'm like, I don't know, there's someone high up. They're obviously not the high up person, because every fucking Toker who walked in other than Freya got killed in that room. <laughs> but yeah, but he avoids the obvious trope of, oh, one of your people killed our, our higher ups. This is you're you're to blame. No, the Toker were like, yeah, we fucked up. We had the we had the knowledge that this technology might exist, and we didn't mention it to you because we didn't have like confirmation confirmation on it yet. So we fucked up. Sorry, that's our bad. Like the Toker don't blame the SGC at all, and I appreciate that. No, that that part I'm down with. I I do still laugh at SGC SG one. They always. I don't know if this is a weak writing thing. I don't know where the problem is exactly. I just know that I have one, which is they're always just so surprised by the actions of the Tokoro when it comes to um, them keeping things from SGC. Like, yeah, it's great that they apologize and everything for it, but they're also just kind of like, oh, you, you, you were keeping things from us again. You know, like Jackie has a line where he goes, yeah, they're at it again. It's like, no fucking shit. They're literally professional liars. Like, this is mm -hmm. literally what they do. And it's not just for uh, my new favorite word. It's not just for shiggles. It's literally for survival. Like, they've chosen a path of extreme danger. They have to constantly be alert and on their guard. And every their literal mission is information. So why the fuck would they be people who just give it away freely? Well, I will say on the side of potentially weak writing, uh, there is an exchange when, when Freya is telling SGC and SG1 about this Zaytar thing where the gold apparently only need to have access to someone for moments. Yeah, yeah how's that work? Right. Uh, well, let's not question that. 
to everything brainwash them with a mission. And when she start, she because they're the Toker and they don't do a lot of explaining. She starts with like a very base explanation and like jack is like what are you talking about because i think she just says like zaytars or whatever and he's like what are you talking about and she says like brainwashing and then daniel asks a question where he's basically asking what is brainwashing is daniel you fucking know what brainwashing is it's like you know how that there's that that tool for um narrative storytelling where you have it done through the dialogue and you have it done through promptings and dialogue this is the weak version of that, <laughs> where Daniel's prompting her to explain to the audience what the brainwashing technique for the Zaytars is. But it's in a very, it's framed in a very weak format because it's like, Daniel, did you just ask her what brainwashing is? <laughs> it's when they take the brain out of the skull and literally give it a thorough cleansing with a sponge. Yeah, it's how you get rid of COVID, didn't you know? <laughs> I had heard uh, this one and, and, and the horse dewormer, right? <laughs> no, I think the horse dewormer is supposed to prevent it. Mm, mm, yes, yes. <laughs> so Jack does another one of his things where he pretends he doesn't know what the word is. And he doesn't even try and actually make it sound like he Xanax. actually doesn't know. Because he calls it Xanax. Also, the person who subtitled this episode, that's not how you spell Xanax. <laughs> I'm on Netflix now because I guess I don't know how the fuck licenses work. I, and I don't too. care. And that ha the the subtitles there spell Xanax wrong. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so tired of the uh, subtitles getting desynced. I didn't even bother with them this uh, week, so I didn't notice that one. But it's not oh, like it's a shock. MGM on. doesn't give a fuck. Well, my if they desync for me, they get so distracting that I turn them off. <laughs> I just turn up the volume super loud instead because I'm deaf as fuck. So Freya's like, uh, you know, our bad. But I think I, and there's, I do actually kind of like, so this is, while well, we had the weak version of narrative storytelling through dialogue with Daniel's thing, I actually like that as Freya's trying to tell SGC she has a way to test for Zaytars, Martouf like interrupts to like argue, yell with her in front of them about how it's not tested or proven. Dude, I, I, I really like do that, like, like that Like, they scene. completely ignore SG-1 for a minute or just having their own fucking conversation right in front of them. Honestly, it just makes me sad that this is the last time both of them show up together. Like, right. first off, she never comes back. Second, when he comes back, it's in alternate stuff, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. It's just really sad that this, this was the first and last time that they share a screen like that because... That was great. Like, their banter argument part was terrific. I would have loved some background into their... Honestly, they kind their, of looked like uh, Jack and, and, and Daniel. They kind of argued like the married couple that wasn't. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And I loved it. I would have loved to see more. I really, actually, I really honestly would have killed for some more of that. Like, I know that would have been off-tracking from, you know, any yeah, potential absolutely. story. But still, man, that was good. Yeah, it was. I liked it. Like I said, it was actually a good version of the narrative storytelling through dialogue. I, I think it was. I think it was great character portrayals i it was well framed well shot well acted i liked all of it you know you know what it really uh, makes me yearn for it makes me sad about is it this is a weakness of the tokra as a whole they're not really given much depth like we get to know a few one-off characters yeah. in the tokra obviously but they themselves we don't really get to see any of the behind the scenes of how they work how they interact mm -hmm. this is the first time you actually really get to see how they would act with each other without people around you know because they're obviously it's like when you're you know meeting somebody you don't know versus somebody you you do know you're not you don't act the same way <laughs> no and after this episode i 
feel like really all of our Tokra interaction is going to be with Sam's dad. Exactly, which is going to be a whole other level of um, interaction filtering. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it is a bit of a weakness. I feel like the Tokra could have been, I don't know more what per se, but they could have been more <laughs> to the show had they been fleshed out like that. Because it's something yeah. that they do with a lot of the other side characters. Like, you'll kind of see how the Asgard Maybe they were worried about fleshing them out too much since they're basically gold, but, like, good gold. Right, I don't know. That, that would have been even more reason to, to show how they're different. Yeah, no, it absolutely would have, <laughs> yeah. but I don't oh, know. Oh, well. Like, aside from, like, some random scenes we've seen of their, uh, like, when they were evacuating one of their bases, and it was, like, I kept noticing how they dressed kind of like Romans. Some of them did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. Are those Tok'ra who, why the fuck are they useless looking <laughs> or these loved ones in which case what so it's like that's the most we've really gotten yeah so uh freya's like don't worry i've got a machine that should be able to test it a void uh, comp machine s- huh it's a void comp machine from blade runner yeah exactly pretty much yeah and they bring it into sgc and basically martuf explains to um sg1 and the audience that the way the machine works is it tests your subconscious knowledge compared to your conscious knowledge it's basically a lie detector that will be able to tell if even you don't know that you're lying because it'll compare it to your subconscious my um, exact note on that was a uh, cool concept on the mind reading device but hella fucky on an ethical level oh absolutely and i have an issue with it where i'm like why does their feelings during a scenario play into whether there there's something hiding in their subconscious at all like i get why because it's it's necessary for the entire plot of this episode but i don't know why how are you feeling in that moment actually fucking matters well because i feel like the so what i've got from the whole thing is that what they check what they catch when they're when the person they're interviewing is a zaytark the thing that they catch so to speak is um I'm calling it an overlay, basically, like a false memory. That's what, you know, it seemed to me was that when they're caught, or I guess uh, in this case, preyed upon. Oh, and upon, the false memory wouldn't have true emotions exactly. attached to yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, so it would, have, it would have the wrong echo. I will actually accept that. Um, in that case, my only issue with it now is that, uh, jumping ahead a tiny bit, the first time that Freya uh, questions Sam and Jack, she doesn't nearly prompt them for emotional feelings oh yeah no because the story needs to happen as she does with this woman yeah because the story needs to happen i know but it's kind of like well yeah if you if you'd question them the same way you did this first woman from the beginning we wouldn't have had this issue freya (laughs) you're not wrong but then again it wouldn't here's the thing i need these flaws i need these flaws because i need to not like valenza okay i need to continue this i um i'm going i'm gonna i'm gonna out myself i i don't want to like him so i'm not going to let myself like him well it's fine purpose yeah this is just completely this is not me going like oh i'm not gonna be biased no i'm biased i don't like him so when he writes really really well it's kind of annoying. It's like I, I, I don't <laughs> like he was a person. It's like I, I always bring like the same in comparison because it's it's just like whenever I watch a Tom Cruise movie, it's like ah oh, man, he's a good actor, but why does he? You're have such to a be questionable him? human for yeah, such uh-huh. skills. <laughs> like yeah, uh, it's just uh anyway. So I need flaws in his writing so I can be like, okay, cool. You are you are incredibly talented, but you do you're not perfect. So that's I'm not sad that you're not going to be here anymore. Spoiler: That's pretty much my only other. F- law for this episode that's fine i have a couple so we're good there you go yeah so they they're like okay we're gonna start by questioning the rest of the people on the man who was shown to be a zaytar on his team 
and they bring this woman in, and I think she actually does an amazing job in her scene. No, she's amazing. I love, I loved every bit of her facial acting. She was great. But basically, uh, they have her recap the mission where they assume that this guy got brainwashed on, and uh, we see little actual visual flashbacks while she's doing it. Oh, they also point out that it's um, the device is based slightly on the memory, the Toker memory devices. Which makes sense. They all they all have to do with like memories and and conscious. That that, that makes sense. I don't have a problem with that. I I find it weird that it's a niece who's doing it. Like, why <laughs> well, is she the, the scientist? Expert? Yeah, but like you know as well as I do that science is a very broad term. There are a lot of branches of science, and it's just funny how every episode they'll be like, oh, guess what? It's like whenever they give Daniel a new thing, it's like, okay, but is this something that he would have actually studied? Just because it's a science doesn't mean it's the science that he would study. I will say in their defense, this could all this could also fall under the biology um, umbrella, which seems to be her focus. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with it because honestly, there's also the factor that there's a limited number of the Tok'ra, so you don't yeah. have the uh, you don't have the luxury of having an expert for every field. You got to learn everything you can. Yeah, we also don't know how old Anise is. Like, she might know all the science. I wasn't upset with it, but I do find it funny yeah. that like they'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm the historian. I'm the person who's into this kind of stuff." You're well, also it's the true. tech. She claimed to be a historian, but she's only been doing science things. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I'm not, it's, like, it's not that I'm mad about it. It's just that you guys have complete control over what she says on screen. Yeah. So why do you do the things that you do? Yeah, so basically, uh, they run this women extra through. She's not an extra. She's a, she's a side character. Extras don't talk. This woman actually <laughs> acts. She got paid for this. Uh, they run her through it, and we actually see like tr- uh, dramatic recreate recreation, and it's actually really well shot. Um, of like they they were going for like a treaty sort of situation, but obviously not an official treaty. Just kind of like the yeah, we're friends now kind of treaty. <laughs> um, and got ambushed by Jaffa, and we're rushing back to the gate, and she's telling this whole story about them being surrounded. And um, some people getting shot down and everything, and about her shooting one of the Jaffa nearby, and like Anise keeps pushing her because apparently she's seeing something on the device. She's like, "Did you shoot the Jaffa?" Blah blah blah, and like keeps and like is specifically pushing her to say how she was feeling in that moment. Like I think what it is is the format of her questioning is she'll just say, "Just tell us what happened," and then if she sees something a little weird. In the, things the, get fucking. after what she's talking she'll be like okay restate it in case you just accidentally said it in the wrong order and tell me your emotions in that moment i don't think they have to prompt with the emotions until they see something weird pop no that makes sense to me but it's also weird that in that case freya did not prompt jack and sam with tell us yeah. about your emotions in that but whatever maybe it's because maybe it could be implied that they were you know they, they witnessed this interaction so they knew what the questions were gonna be so maybe they were just kind of prepped for it Honestly, yeah, I feel like if you were going to do these tests, well, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not saying, I'm going to off me here. Honestly, what they should do is they should do these, they, these scenes um, would have been better if they'd taken it from a much more scientific, <sighs> I say that as if I'm somebody who can judge that accurately, um, but seriously, I still feel like there should have been done in much more sterile conditions, as in there should have been no witnesses, nothing. Like, if you're going to be testing, first off, here's, okay, sp- speaking of getting a little bit ahead, people that end up being Zaytarks. At least one of them, there's absolutely no fucking excuse for him getting past the uh, anything because why the fuck were they not just testing everyone? What, <laughs> what, do, what does it hurt? 
Like, yeah, I will say, uh, without without spoiling yeah. who you're talking about, yeah. um, they do bring up that person, and as soon as SGC brings up that person, you can see the Toker go, oh, oh fuck. Shit. <laughs> yeah, literally, she has an oh shit moment. That's literally what I wrote in all caps. Why, how and why the fuck did it never occur to them to just test everybody? Everyone. Just test everyone. <laughs> then you solve this fucking problem. You know what? The SGC should be allies with the Tok'ra because the Tok'ra are also allergic to fucking security. Like, oh my lord, people. Except anyway, this episode shows SGC doing something incredibly <laughs> smart security-wise at the end. Of course they I did because the story needed for. it. It makes As soon as the story allows for it, then all of a sudden they get a brain cell about I it. I mean, it didn't actually need it. That man did oh, not whatever, get whatever, shot. Whatever. It would have been fine. Yeah, <laughs> the point I'm getting at here is um, what kills me about that whole thing is they should be a testing everybody and why the fuck we understand what bias is so why the fuck were they not testing them in like i said sterile conditions put them in a room without witnesses not like in the like you know lock them away with no one to watch you know that no one can hear you scream kind of thing not like that but like especially if you know you're gonna be testing for example sg1 after this why let them watch the interview process? I feel like that could yeah, only harm. Like, I'm not saying it's, like, literally will only harm. I meant it as in, if it's going to have an effect on them, I can't see it being positive. Yeah, no. I Yeah, they really shouldn't sh- let other people who are also going to be tested watch it beforehand. I will say they do make a point of, on, at least on the SGC side, saying that they do wind up testing basically everyone. Or at least anyone who has access to the place, because obviously they have a limited amount of time. It's really the Tok'ra that fuck up at yeah, the end no, here. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this. Uh, I'm not choosing to see as good writing so much as just, like, we've seen that, obviously, Tora uh, Alexander knows the Goa Old pretty well, actually, it seems. Yeah. At least on a base level, like, their key speciesness. Their egos. <laughs> yeah, the ego, the arrogance. Um, yeah. I guess it's, I'm going to chalk, I'm going to just, I'm going to write it off as that. Chalk it up to arrogance. We've definitely seen that they do that. They're different yeah. than their Goa Old cousins, but they are not... You know, they're still the same species of apple, even though they may have fallen a bit further away. Uh, but yeah, so they test this woman, and she, it gets revealed remembers. she's she has false memories. Um, and Anissa's like, I think I have a way to, to, you know, remove it. That was one of her big things, was she's like, I have a way that she should theoretically be able to remove the brainwash. However, they have to actually be brainwashed because otherwise it could really fuck up their brain i mean that at least makes sense i'm glad they didn't do it stupid too often they'll go full applied phlebotinum phlebotinum i can never say the word right but that thing sometimes they'll go full of that and be like it's so futuristic it won't do any damage and it's like okay you're still using like what i assume is some form of laser or like vibration something yeah that's it's still a targeted thing so this makes more sense that it would cause damage i think it having a damage aspect is more plot oriented because it's important that Sam stop the thing with Jack. Yeah, but I think it honestly just tracks much it more also likely. Works, yeah. yeah, like literally the brain is pretty fucking fragile. There's a reason Absolutely. why it's encased in bone. Um I just mm-hmm. I, I laugh whenever they whenever people don't do that. I'm honestly just a little mad as usual because that means it's a good point in writing. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> I like how last week I was saying fuck you powers because I hated her writing and now I'm mad because he's doing a good job. I cannot be pleased. <sighs> He's good at structure, not great at women. <laughs> oh, that tracks for so many people. Yeah, right? But yeah, so they, Freya has a way to potentially deprogram her, and they they set it up and everything. The thing that I, 
And I wrote this note afterwards. I'm like, why, if they know she's brainwashed, why didn't they have any sort of sedative set up in that room in case, in case? Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. I, my first thought would be, from my limited amount of knowledge, I would think if I were the professional in this case, I would be a little hesitant to uh, sedate because if this is an altered mental state and so on, sometimes sedation isn't the way because it can cause an adverse reaction. But that being said, in the worst case scenario, what the fuck else are you going to do except trank them? And then on top of that, this episode will literally prove later that they are totally down with sedating. So yeah, Mel, it's a very good question. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, but she starts to, like, have a, theoretically have a bad reaction, like, at least a, a loud reaction to the deprogramming. That, that's and where Martu I was like, starts to be like, you know, <laughs> shut it down. Yeah, yeah, she's a great actress. And Martu starts to be like, you know, shut it down. It, she's obviously, it's, you know, doing something wrong here. And, um, as Freya starts to shut it down, well, she's, she's, like, fluctuating be between hesitating, but then she does start to, like, shut it down. Uh, the woman breaks free and, uh, you know, winds up dying. <laughs> gets, you know, so, she tr tr tries to do the take people out and, and gets killed. So, 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 you know how you just noted that most likely there's, you know, another reason why Martouf was trying to stop what she was doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I'm not disagreeing with that. I at first had thought it was that it was meant to show, you know, who Martouf is. Something we've already kind of learned about him. He's empathetic you know he's literally yeah. he's the carer of the group well, i think that's why it works is because yeah. you believe it so right way. exactly that's what i love what i like though is that it could also still be said you know that there's also he doesn't even need to fight the programming on that one because he would also want to stop it for other reasons that that that's still great and dandy that's <laughs> on top of that when i originally saw it i uh, thought that it was a great way to showcase the difference between them again uh like the banter yeah. scene where it's not that she was uncaring non-empathetic it's just that she her first thought wasn't to stop it or whatever. Her first thought was the curious scientific side of her. Absolutely. It yeah. was, whoa. Like she was intrigued. It's not like she didn't respond. She wasn't even opposed to, you know, ending the pain. That just wasn't her first thought. Not a bad thing, but it's a definite, you know, different characteristic. And I really liked that, you know, mirroring, not mirroring, um, the, uh, the opposition of it. it. I thought it was really well done. Uh, the problem is, is it leads up to that thing I bitched about earlier, which is I really hate a later scene where she goes, no, because first off, that is yeah. always overdramatic and stupid, no matter who the fuck is Absolutely. doing it. But there's ways to get closer to pulling it off. I don't think I've ever seen somebody actually successfully do it because again, it's just not real. The fact that she does that later is, is extra emphasized as dumb, not just because of the dramatic, you know, the overdrama part. It's the fact that here it shows that she's not somebody who would go to that caring side unless you wanted to say that maybe she just acted it wrong and that she was instead going no because she didn't want to lose her scientific opportunity to like you know autopsy or something i want to give it that devil's advocate i want to but honestly i think it's just bad <laughs> because here it was a better scene of who she is and later it's just pointless i think it was just to give her camera time yeah Almost certainly, especially since this is her last episode. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just one of those moments where it's like, huh, sigh at the obviousness of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, this woman dies, and <laughs> uh, so then they're like, okay, time to do um, SG-1 now. <laughs> now that that's... <laughs> <laughs> now that we've huh? killed somebody time to move yeah, right? on to the next people like i, I know they don't well, have a choice but i do love yeah. the timing slash logic 
I think their priority of testing is honestly very smart because you go with the team that someone was already brainwashed on first, and then you go with the most important team that's directly involved in the fucking negotiations. Although I kind of feel like, here's, okay, I do actually have one more problem with this writing. <laughs> Jack was already in the same sort of situation that triggered the other guy's brainwashing. Okay. And didn't have any sort of reaction. Well, I think that speaks to, back to your original, so, I think you already, in a way, pointed out this flaw, because you were pointing out that it doesn't make any sense, like, why he was there, who the fuck is he, you know, so on. Yeah. Part of that flaw that you pointed out is, there is a specificity, I think, implied to the programming. Yeah, they, to be fair, they do kind of say we don't know if maybe, like, they're, they're supposed to target the president or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess if, if it's fine... It just seems a little interesting. No, it's, like, it's, it's convenient Jack was as already fuck. there it's convenient and didn't have a reaction. Fuck. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is he's not a Zaytark, so that should have been a clue to them. I think it's honestly, ugh, sadly, I think it's good writing. Like, I, I mentioned a few times in my notes and to you, the foreshadowing in this episode is epic. And I think it's literally at every single point that they could, like, down to the stuff, like, for example, Jack doesn't react. That should have been a clue for them, and it wasn't. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, pieces of dialogue throughout that i'm like oh shit that's oh nice foreshadowing oh shit more fo- wow um yeah. i just hate how much of it is down to the writing <laughs> uh but yeah so sg1 gets tested and um we see them getting questioned about their upgrade episode uh mission and i do like that um anise starts with oh you know designation px Blah, 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 blah. And Jack's like, I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then Freya has to be like, the time you went to go destroy Apophis's ships. And Jack's like, oh, right, that, yeah. <laughs> I just like the, the you know, accurate recall to the fact that Jack never remembers the planet's names. Like, the designations. He doesn't know that shit. He doesn't care. You say it to Sam or Daniel, they know what you're talking about. But Jack's like, the what now? <laughs> I also love it because it's more of that foreshadowing I was talking about. So in this case, it's, you know, he has another one. My favorite, my favorite fucking line of the episode is, you know, literally him going, oh, oh, that. Yeah. You know, he does that kind of reaction in this, and this is just them setting it up. Yeah. It's, it's that foreshadowing, oh, yeah. I guess, I per actually se, so really much as set up, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I actually agree with you because I really fucking love that he doesn't even try to pretend like he doesn't know what she's talking about. He just right? immediately acknowledges, huh. oh, yeah, that. <laughs> I think it shows um, a healthy amount of respect between those two characters that, like, that A, even without saying anything in that moment in an upgrade, they knew yeah. both sides yep. of the equation. Oh, 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 fun fact. And that Jack wouldn't even deny it later yeah. you know no fun fact i always forget they had lines written for that scene they chose not to say them nice but yeah so they all get run through it we do finally get to see uh, a brief scene of daniel uh doing the i'm gonna go grab the knock with a bricks thing Hey, at least they got to use the footage. Yeah, including a part where, like, he, he just, you know, sonic zooms through the first two guards that were holding the Nakwita bricks. But as he's loading up the bricks, a, a third Jaffa guard comes up behind him, and Daniel barely even looks over his shoulder and just chucks, I'm assuming, a brick over his shoulder at this man and just one-hit KOs him. I uh, saw an interview forever ago, I think on, like, Graham Norton or something. And it was uh, Stephen Merchant, who is amazing. He was in that, the most recent Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel movie. 
the one that wasn't based on the books with Claire Foy. Uh-huh. And he um, was talking about how he had a scene that was an action scene, and he'd asked to be, like, kick-ass in it or something. And instead, they're like, no, 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 you're going to hide in the bathroom behind the toilet. Um, and then Claire Foy, this tiny little woman's going to come in and kick this shit out of them instead. <laughs> and he was just, you know, he was, like, real affronted by that. <laughs> I get, I get a similar kind of vibe from uh, Michael Shanks entirely on my own here, but I feel like, like, imagine if you'd been there, like, you shot this scene, and then for the episode, they don't put it in. He's like, oh, come yeah. on. I never get to be the, like, come on. I'm always, like, I holding the gun weird. Cool. I'm always, like, holding, you know, closing my eyes and, and hitting out of luck. You know, it's always, like, the dork with the, <laughs> come on, man, I was going to be kick-ass, and you cut it, and then they finally put it in. And he's like, Yeah! <laughs> That's fair. And yeah, so we see everybody go through it and Jack and Sam specifically they focus a lot on this the moment in upgrades where they get separated by the the uh force field and they're obviously being prodded a little bit in that moment like are you forgetting anything blah blah blah. But very specifically Freya never specifically asked them to talk about their emotions in that moment, which is why they get rid of Zaytars. Zaytark. Zaytarks, yeah. And Jack and Sam both get basically, because of the fact that they tried deprogramming this one woman and she fucking died, they're not super eager to try it again. Weird. So right now they're just kind of being, you know, held off to the side. And here's the thing, this time they do actually do it in private. I think they learned from the last woman to do these in private. So, um, Sam doesn't realize that Jack also got read as a Zaytark until he comes to visit her, which is like, why did you let him out of his room? Thank Listen you, God, seriously, I like I how he just- There's go- guards yeah, there, but, but still. still, they let him go in, I, I get that he's probably on camera, but like, okay, there's still a closed door, like, your reaction time is gonna be less than it could be, it's just awfully interesting that you let this happen, but okay. They also literally just let them be right across the hallway from each other. God, you know, <laughs> what was their plan if they had been Right Jesus. across the hallway from each yeah. other. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm going to point it out now. Uh, later on, I'm not going to get super into it because I did the reading just to prove my point. And it, it, yeah, I already knew this. There's an egregiously bad use of sedatives later, as in sedatives. Oh, actually, no, I did have a problem with that too. Yeah. So that was. (laughs) I thought I already was done with my issues with this episode. I did have some problems. That was that was some bullshit. That was some bullshit. That was just some necessity more than anything. And it's like, cool. I feel like you could have done that better. I'm just gonna use that as as proof of my point here, which is there's nothing to say that sedatives work on these motherfuckers when they're programmed like this. So if you're not even going, let's say you're not going to sedate them, or let's say you are, doesn't really fucking matter. You don't even appear to lock their doors or do shit like that it seems an awful lot like you just put two programmed soldiers right next to each other <laughs> yeah with At next to nothing the room right blocking them yeah honestly though i feel like that would have been smarter at this point because if you throw them in the same room then you can have eyes on them at the same time and you would know the second shit started going down here apparently if they could just walk out that wouldn't even look like weird behavior if somebody were to just you know get up randomly and open the door and move her into the other room because you just let that shit happen it just amuses me that these people once again are allergic to intelligent security yeah um so yeah he basically checks in with her to be like yeah apparently we're both zaytarks and they're both you know kind of upset about it and everything and just <laughs> kind of upset just about a, being programmed a nice little quiet moment huh <laughs> just upset about the violation that is a programmed yeah. weapon you know but 
you know, they just have a little check-in, and then Jack goes back to his own room, and Freya comes to visit him. Oh, God. Um, okay. Here's where Valenza really shows his true colors, because, yeah. bitch, there is this thing called consent. Oh, yeah. There was definitely... Also, like... Okay, so I actually have some... I, I have a whole paragraph about this scene. So basically, uh, well, first off, Freya does tell Jack, she's like, I think the reason it didn't work, the deprogrammer didn't work on her, is because I stopped in the middle. Um, obviously, there's no way to prove that because this woman did literally bl blow her brains out with a gun, so they couldn't do an autopsy to check on the effects. But she's like, I think this is why it didn't work, so I think it would work on you guys. And Jack's like, yeah, but if it doesn't, we're gonna fucking die like she did. But then while they're having this conversation, uh, Freya moves in and kisses him without oh, warning. And I do my love God. that Jack's- Okay, but Jack's response is great, because he literally is just like, what you doing? <laughs> I hate the scene. I do. It, but there is a, yeah, you're not wrong. There's a bit of a fun element in there. I'm just, that makes it worse, honestly, because people always make yeah. such fucking light of this shit. That's yeah. not okay. So, on any so level. I have a whole paragraph on my thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, uh, Freya, you don't need to tell Jack who your symbiote is into. Jack doesn't need to know that Anise likes Daniel. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this situation right now. Second of all, of course, the snake is interested in Daniel. Only aliens want to date him. <laughs> um, third of all, when she says Anise actually prefers Dr. Jackson intellectually, but she would have to suffer. I was like, that is fucking cold. What the fuck? Every other person, like Martouf and his fucking, um, his fucking symbiote seem to have a much more, like, co cohabitation with their dating. But she's just like, Anise is gonna have to fucking deal with it. <laughs> because, like, a lot of men and women, Tor Alexander Valenza is under the impression that women cannot cooperate with each other. Ever. True, yeah. He's, he's basically making that same fucking joke that everybody makes, which is, haha, they're always gonna be catty with each other because two women can't come and me, 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 me. Yeah. It's just him We're being just a like, shit. Yeah, I wonder why. Maybe because society is always pitting women against him. Also, it's not true. Like, I love John Mulaney as much as the next person. Yeah. But he was fucking that... wrong about Ocean's yeah. Eleven. That mm -hmm. joke wasn't funny then, and it's not funny now with proof to the contrary. You can have and a team spoiler, of women who um, just Ocean's work together Eight happily. is the best Ocean's movie. <laughs> Dude, I watched the thing where somebody was like, I love how much hatred people have for this movie. And it's like, I rewatched Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eight is basically just Ocean's Eleven. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Ocean's, it is. Yeah. People who have a problem with Ocean's Eight are just pissy because, uh, for Ocean's obvious reasons. Eight was made to just just basically be Ocean's Eleven. That was the entire fucking yeah. They went with the easy thing. It's like, oh no, it's not the most original thing ever. So what? Neither was Ocean's Eleven. It's a heist movie. Yeah, anyway. Ocean's Eleven was a remake of Ocean's Eleven to begin with. So uh... but yeah. So yeah. The whole point is that. People are extremely yeah. incorrect. Okay, yeah, just because men don't talk about things doesn't mean that because women do in our own way that we're doing something wrong. So first off, that concept of women making little shitty comments to each other is just incorrect. And that's even giving it credence to begin with. Like, anytime a woman ever disagrees with another woman, somebody's like, ooh, Kathy! And it's like, no, I'm just disagreeing with a fellow human, motherfucker. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I totally read that as like, okay, yeah, weird, just like you did. And then I immediately realized why. And it's like, oh, yep, no, yeah, that's, that's just... Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, and, and my final point, agreeing with you on the whole consent issue, is that, like, 
he he basically you know is like uh no thank you and she's like oh do you not find me attractive and i'm like he can find you attractive but not want to get into a relationship with you that's a thing girl <laughs> i love a sexually aggressive woman as much as the next person but i love a sexually aggressive woman who understands the concept of may i kiss you may i touch you is it all right if i do this <laughs> it literally just comes down to this is gross behavior, yeah. and if it had been, if the uh, roles had been reversed, you damn well fucking know people would have noticed the problem. But it's not, it's not creepy uh, when a woman does uh, it. It's sexy. I don't know if they would have because, uh, quite often in a very similar framing, it's framed no, as no. romantic. When I say creepy, when I say creepy, I mean in reality, not what the show is trying to. Present. Oh, in reality, sure, but yeah. in um in writing, no, movies, I, yeah, I wasn't talking about that. Uh, no, I know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. I know Star Wars, for example. Like, there's tons of examples yeah. of it. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying though that we would, we the people, audience-wise, are especially nowadays a lot more prone to be like, okay. You may be framing it, you might be framing it like this, but it isn't this, you know, like, that's why people don't talk yeah. about Star Wars nowadays, for example. Like, people oh, are able to recognize it, especially today. So my whole point I'm getting at there is that if this scene had been reversed, I feel like a lot more people would have noticed the concept of consent being missed here. But because it isn't, yeah. they're like, oh, no, 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 it's sexy when a woman goes for it, because sexually aggressive women are hot period. Yeah. And a man mm -hmm. always wants it. And it's like, okay, that's messed up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, un it's an unfortunate, um, uh, commonly held societal yeah. framing, yeah. unfortunately. Like, yeah. I don't care how cute they try to make it. I don't care it's how brief it was in this episode. It's getting spoken about now mm -hmm. more uh, yeah, but than even it now was it's back still a then. It's still extremely But it prevalent. is still a thing where a lot of us have to force it to be a conversation even now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I... I, I this is this is the moment where Tor Alexander shows his spots. <laughs> so, oh yeah, but I do like that. Like you know, Jack. Also, of course, the man is the sensible one in the scene. But whatever, he he gets her to back off, uh, and he does call her out on her priorities. Like, uh, we're dealing with a fucking brainwashing situation and trying to get a treaty going. Yeah, I didn't even Maybe get to that part. Maybe don't try to get laid right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love just how vastly inappropriate her character is here. Not just oh, yeah. because of the consent thing, but also because of the problem that Jack has with it. The only possible excuse for it is that she does actually, like, vaguely talk about the home planet that she personally is from. Um, and a reason the way for rapey do behavior does or not excuse rapey behavior. No, that's the thing. I'm just saying that, like, and even then, it's not an excuse, but I'm saying if, and again, he didn't actually write it in a way that it is an answer. If he had written when she spoke about the way they do relationships on her planet to explain why like her approach is this way like maybe that's just a cultural thing on her planet the way but he doesn't he makes a vague reference to people dating on her planet or hooking up on her planet or whatever but he doesn't talk about it in a way that would explain why she's behaving like this no but ding 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 with farscape uh there's one of my favorite episodes involves a planet that's kind of like anisa's planet i'm thinking but you know better written because their mm -hmm. entire concept is they their whole species is is much more like cognizant of why they fuck which is in this case procreation like the literal biological impulse you know behind it so their whole thing is that they they don't waste time with somebody they're not biologically compatible with um and they found out a way to find do this with this uh weird little eyedropper of you know liquid mysterious liquid that mm -hmm. they, you put a drop on your tongue and on the other person's tongue and you kiss and if it tastes sweet then you know you're compatible and if it's not then you're not and they can just go around fucking 
you know, rampantly or willy-nilly as much as they want. But my favorite thing about this is, is they all have this pretty much unspoken uh, consent ritual, which is they walk up to somebody they find physically attractive, they hold up the little tiny vial of the, of, of the liquid, and they just kind of do like some version of a little wiggle wiggle, you know, like wiggle waggle. Just like, hello, yeah. would you like to, you know, would you like to kiss and maybe fuck? And the other person can, and the person can either respond with, yes, I would like to kiss and maybe fuck, or no, thank you. I don't find you physically attractive with just, you know, literally a head shake. It's amazing. Mm. It's a beautiful concept and this entire planet runs on it. It's the entire impetus for the storyline of this uh, three episode-ish arc in the show. It's awesome. I love it for a variety of reasons. I cannot wait to get to it, but it proves that you can do this kind of concept well. And I'm not saying you had to do an entire thing where she, you know, explains the entire ritual of her planet and so on, but you could have done literally anything else that would have yeah. given that same kind of I'm a horny fuck girl without being creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so while Freya is being inappropriate with Jack, Martouf is with Sam telling her that Jolinar is his first priority, but he does like her too. This episode's very well written in some respects, like the fact that if, if the uh, Freya-Jack scene had been less terrifying and bad, um, it would have been an excellent mirror of this scene. Yeah! <laughs> like, obviously that's what he was going for, I just think he missed that mark, you know, all of the yeah. way. But I, I mean, the fact I, that I do they happen the one right after scene. each other, it's definitely well, yeah, the, yeah. the mirror there. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, you know, I'm just saying that he failed because fuck that first part. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously it's what he was going for. And I really, I appreciated the second part for what it was, which is the honesty aspect being shown again from the Tok'ra with the human side being shown with the uh, layers. Uh, I enjoy all the foreshadowing, like hell with the Freya scene where she's like, is there someone else you're loyal to? And he starts to go, well, I, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's kind of a version of that here where they're talking about the feelings and so on. Um, so yeah, it, it was almost really awesome. Yeah. But instead, it's just okay, awesome because the salmon Martouf part's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, but it's just like a, a well-framed version of the oh no, I'm so sad that someone I like is brainwashed. <laughs> to be fair, though, like Martouf and Sam actually have a history. Yeah. Freya does not have an actual history with Jack. But yeah, so they have that parallel scene, um, and then they send Daniel in to talk. Jack into undergoing the deprogramming procedure. Oh, it's because Sam had a boyfriend with her, so uh, Jack needed so one too. So da- Jack needs his husband. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I said of course Daniel was the one sent in. <laughs> I just love their. Uh, again, I hate how good the writing it is because they have a conversation that you hear, and I love the unspoken one going on at the same time. Absolutely, as usual with yeah. them because they're a the stereotype of dudes in this, which is the whole not saying it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love that. So, um, yeah, so Daniel's there to basically talk Jack into giving it a try because he's he's basically like, what, do you want to just, like, live in this room forever? Oh, especially because they did decide that there might be, like, a time limit on the programming where, like, if it gets to the treaty happening and Jack and Sam can't get to it to do their programming thing, they might self-destruct anyway. That's why it's kind of like, look, <laughs> you might fucking die just sitting in this room. Take the take the deprogramming. It's a chance, you know? He just but, wants um, his husband to maybe survive. Yeah, but I do like in this conversation, 
Jack decides to tell Daniel that Anise is interested in him, and it's like, why? You don't have to tell Daniel that. Here's the thing, though. I fucking love this scene for another thing that, again, with the unspoken part, because he says, uh, Jack says, she made a pass at me, and uh, Daniel immediately goes, Sam? Yeah, yeah, that part, yes. Well, because they had just talked about right. Sam before. Also, Daniel understands things. Like, there's a later yeah, scene, yeah, too, he where absolutely um, Janet does. looks over at Teal'c, and they both just look incredibly unsurprised. So, yeah. it was, uh, I just yeah, loved was all great... the show-not-tell there. That was actually really great uh, pacing for that bit of the conversation. Uh, but I like how the scene ends with uh, Daniel, like... I love it because, A, it's a Daniel muttering to himself, but he's very clearly doing it loud enough for Jack to hear him on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because he's, like, two feet away from Jack when he, like, mutters to himself where he's like, these are the Jack O'Neill moments I would miss <gasps> the most. God, that and yo-yo. And Jack goes, what? <laughs> and then Daniel what? goes, what? <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Married. Love it. They're so fucking married. <laughs> I do love also when um D- uh, Jack says the bit about, you know, the snake liking Daniel, and he just goes, really? <laughs> like, he's yeah. like, like, he's scaroused, and I love it. Yeah. Don't worry, Daniel, this isn't going to be, this isn't the last time a snake's going to be interested in you. <laughs> yeah, man, what is, if, if it's not a snake, it's the former host of a snake. He literally or, has a type, or, it's weird. Or a to-be host of a snake. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like every single woman he's with in this show, at some point or another, is the host of a snake. What the fuck? Well, no. Not every one of them, but all the significant ones, I should say. The the drugged up princess. Yeah, the no. significant ones. The significant yeah. ones. And in that Although case, she, she just was represented also still a being snake. affected yeah. by gold yeah, technology. So I think it still works. Thing. Yeah, no, again, it still follows the theme. What the fuck, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> that is such a weird I love it, actually. type to have. I kind of love it. <laughs> no, it, it honestly, I don't I can't explain why yet, but it really doesn't feel wrong. Like it just Somehow yeah, no, it makes, makes sense. sense to me entirely. <laughs> I actually did think of one that um, we've suspected, but we don't actually have any um, uh, like narrative proof of this. Um, Kara was also into Daniel, but she was the well, one she that used we a device. She would have used to be. Well, th- here's the thing: I the narrative never I tells know. us. They that. never, and they and they hadn't written that thing yet, yeah. per se. But they literally, they pretty much outright stated with Sam that she can use the devices because she had John or in her at one point. So yeah, yeah, uh, we suspect. I, I, still sta- I still stand with Linnea having been a host at some point. So oh, yeah, yeah, no. Well, honestly, in his defense, it seems more like <laughs> those women are only interested in Daniel. <laughs> Like, here's the th- gotta remember, they always initiate. <laughs> of course they do. Uh, this poor guy, uh, he's, he, uh, I like how everybody in this show, with, like, I think the exception of Teal, I can't remember anybody throwing themselves on him without his consent, uh, and that speaks um, volumes to the writing right there. Anyway, uh, mm, wow, yeah, that speaks yeah. to, wow, that speaks volumes. Yeah, oh, uh, shit, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, ugh. He didn't even realize what you said. Nope, and then I said it, and it's just like, oh, that sunk in quick, and that's infuriating um, on so many levels. Anyway, everybody has to deal with non-consensual touch in this show more than once, for the most part, too. Like, Uh honestly, I can't, I I mean it sarcastically, I can't wait for season five, because I can't wait to see if Jonas also, in his brief time on SG-1, also has to put up with this shit. I don't know. (laughs) 
It's just like, I guess we'll stop touching people, please. Like, it's just creepy, man. <laughs> I just, I... I bad touch. It. Too much bad touch. I love that the only people who are interested in Daniel will be the host of a snake, are currently the host of a snake, <laughs> or were once the host of a snake. It's beautiful. So, Jack volunteers to be the first one to undergo the procedure, because his feeling is, if it goes wrong, then you can, you know, do an autopsy on my brain and figure out more to try and make it happen safely with Sam. Which, this is another one of the situations, and it's happened before in this show, where it's like, on one hand, I get that you you mean it to be romantic, that he's potentially endangering himself to protect Sam. <laughs> However, <laughs> he would do that for literally anyone on his yeah, team. because it's suicidal Jack. It's it's great. It's it's another point of good writing because, he, you know, Valenza at least understands the character, which is Jack, if given yeah. the opportunity, will somehow throw himself into the fucking line of fire. And the worst part is everyone around him is always cool with letting him like i know mm -hmm. how sometimes they can't do anything about it like when he's literally stuck on the submarine firing at the i'm like yeah bouncing up and down again with rage but seriously it's like that at least <sighs> it's like okay one thing you know or him you yeah. know literally trying to set off a nuke with him you know personally <laughs> like <laughs> you know i get it. sometimes it quote unquote makes sense i mean it always makes sense in the terms of like writing for his character what fucking kills me and again kind of falls into the whole authentically fucky is that Everyone around him, just whenever there is the opportunity to do something about it, they're like both sad to see it happen, but somehow just completely resigned to it every time. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, I guess he's going suicidal again. <laughs> and it's like, okay, what, in his defense, why does no one ever try to do anything about this? Like, at least in between these moments, why is he never in fucking therapy? Do these people care nothing for him? Well, I would say that at least at this point, it's because, well, A, I don't think they have great therapy at SGC, but I do think we do need to allow for the fact that the way it's framed these days is less that he is suicidal and more that he is the papa bear of this team and if someone is going to get hurt, it is going to be him, yeah. not the kids on his team. It's not about him being suicidal. Yes, there's probably still lingering aspects to that there. However, it is about him being incredibly protective. Yes, no, that team. I'm not disagreeing with. But it's still what I'm talking about here is the uh, frightening pattern of behavior that he yeah, is no, showing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which at the very least, if not suicidal, does show a very reckless tendency. Which can oh, get yeah, himself 100%. and others hurt. These people are seeing a lot of really self-destructive tendencies being manifested on a regular basis and they don't do shit about it because they need the show to happen and it drives me crazy i mean they don't do shit about daniel's addictive personality either so uh yeah so basically what they're doing is they're going through with the treaty meeting and while they're organizing all of that jack is going under for the procedure and this is actually so that we actually see like him getting set up for that and they're actually being smarter about like setting up sedatives and like all that kind of stuff this time but um while that's happening we also get the parallel of they're setting up the whole gate room for the toker coming and they're talking about um the president and his retinue showing up and everything and we actually see uh in the gate room one actual detail uh that i liked with the security is that like daniel basically fucking lives under the mountain yeah 
They still make him show his pass before he can walk into the gate room. Oh yeah, now they care about security. Well, we did just have a fucking suicide bomber just, earlier, so. Yeah, it just cracks me up how it's uh, only ever a good security on screen when it's necessary for the show. But <laughs> the rest seeing of time, this time actually made me remember, didn't the Tok'ra literally just get a spy in their midst, midst last episode? How are they yeah. doing treaty negotiations with him there? Did they, like, send him out to get milk or something while yeah. this is happening? That's, I mean, honestly, it kind of tracks in the sense of, like, let's say, first off, you're a recent turncoat. Like, your trust level is already going to be, you know, sketch at best. But when you go from that to uh, the fact that he's a noob, I could totally see them keeping him out of literally all the really super important shit because, again, this works yeah. for their mentality. Like, their tier system would have to dictate a massive level of what do you need to know. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to accept that, but it, the timing of it is very oh, yeah, funny. No, it, it it's like, funny. we just yeah. got a spy and you're going to do treaties. Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember remember, remember that guy who just killed uh, a person and we're just, you know, literally using to feed information to the enemy, yeah. false information on that whole, you know, you know that whole dude? Um, Teal, you might, you, might, you might remember him. <laughs> well, it's, it's cool. We sent him to pick mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. I do actually also, with um, directing and acting, we see um, the, the Tok'ra retinue come through, and obviously Daniel's here to be, like, the diplomatic voice. Um, he already showed that in the beginning of this episode. But he's also obviously very distracted and barely looks at the Tok'ra retinue. And, like, Hammond has to, like, grab his attention to remind him to do his job because he's worried about his husband. Plus, again, it's always, this, this is just a consistent character trait of his. It manifests in different ways, like when he's, granted, this is a super old behavior, but, you know, it manifests like when he's trying to dial the DHD and then stops to show, yeah, and he's like, show oh, look, the address. Yeah, and he's like, oh, the paper was look, in my pocket. Here it is. It was in my notebook the whole time. Can you believe it? Motherfucker, dial. <laughs> you know, it's just that kind of stuff where he's kind of just the eager little boy at all times, even when he's being serious. So he's eagerly thinking about his loved ones in this case. Yeah. <laughs> So here's where the sedate scene happens. So basically, um, Jack is going to be undergoing the procedure to make sure that if they if there are concerns about the treaty happening and them having a bad reaction to not being able to be there to deal with it is true, they've decided to sedate Sam to avoid her like self-destructing. While she's being sedated, she realizes what was wrong with their their Zaytark testing. That basically they weren't being honest about why they didn't want to leave each other behind at the um the shields. And here's the thing. My note here, I said I can sort of buy trying to sedate Sam bringing forward thoughts that are already bothering her. Like, she's already thinking about this. She's already trying to come up with an answer for why they might have gotten the Zaytark reading. Like, it's in her head. That's who she is. She's going to be thinking about it. She's going to be looking for another solution. That's fair. I get that. The timing of her having this subconscious mind dribble as she's being sedated, coming up with the answer, is incredibly convenient. Oh. Yep. So, like, narratively, I accept the form of what sedating her is doing to help her just kind of, it, it's the whole, it's the theme of this whole thing, the subconscious versus the unconscious, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's the luck there. <laughs> yep. 
but she basically realizes why they got rid of Zaytarks, and she's like, Janet, you know, get me over there, we gotta stop this. And they get there just in time to stop it, and Sam gets let gets let in, and is, you know, basically just crouches down in front of Jack, is like, I know why we got rid of Zaytarks, we weren't entirely honest, and he's like, no, what are you talking about? She's like, the reason why you wouldn't leave me behind, and he's like, oh, that. <laughs> And again, we've already talked about, we love that he doesn't even try and deny it. He knows exactly what she's talking about right away, you know? Oh, yeah. But this time they get hooked up to the test, and this time they're actually prodded <laughs> to talk about their emotions in that scene. And this is actually the flashback that I always associate with upgrades. <laughs> the really dramatic staring at each other between the force field and Sam beautifully crying. She looks amazing. I love his face. I love their acting. I love that the actors mm -hmm. knew that the lines weren't necessary and that they yeah, could, exactly. they could achieve the it's same great. effect so poignantly. I I I've been in love with this scene for years. Of course, there's a fucking loud car going on during this entire thing in the background. I don't care mm. because nothing will ruin my feelings for this just uh this scene holds up. It it, yeah. it it's the anchor for everything for me <laughs> for absolutely the, it's this, great this scene is why up until now i've been ridiculous and this scene will be why from now on i will continue to be ridiculous and also um credit to the writing here the way that jack reveals why you know the the, the way he words it is still like subtle and respectful enough that like because, like, he's still a professional, he's still a fucking Air Force colonel, he's gotta be careful. Like, he has to say enough to where, like, they're not gonna be read as brainwashed anymore. But he can't just fucking say, yeah, I'm in love with my subordinate, subordinate. that's why. You know? So he words it in a way to where, like, he's being honest, he's being truthful, he's not avoiding it. But it's not, like, wildly inappropriate or anything, you know? I... <sighs> It's not that they did a bad job, because again, Valenza's, as I've, I've regretfully had to admit, he's not a bad writer. It's just, it's wild to me that they trusted such a core episode to him. Yeah, like, it it's just It's just really surprising to me that somebody like Wright didn't, uh, you know, huh, write this. It's just, uh, again, not really complaining. I guess I yeah. am in a little way, because I would have preferred it be attributed to somebody I like. Right. But, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to me that this whole scene is, you know, again, so important. Yeah. Narratively. And it had solid lead-up and everything to it, so they knew this was happening. This wasn't, like, a one-off kind of thing. No. This was, okay, so this is, like, there's a lot riding on it. Here you go. And it's like, okay, cool, cool. You, you didn't really fuck up entirely, honestly. Not bad. But, uh, I just, I don't know. <laughs> just odd. Um... So yeah, so Sam and Jack are not brainwashed. They're just in love. So then they do like this really quick check-in. They're like, okay, the everybody, everybody at SGC who's going to be at the treaty has been scanned. They're all fine. All of the delegates coming through have been scanned. They're fine. And then was it, was it Jack that asks or Dave? I don't remember who asked, but one of them goes, what about Martouf? I think it was Sam. Oh no, because someone asked Freya first, and she's like, "I haven't been in any situation where they no, would have been No, it was Sam because she's talking me. about assumptions and everything. No, oh Sam, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I just couldn't remember who asked it, but yeah, so they asked Freya, and she's like, "No, no, I I don't leave the base unless I'm here. They couldn't have gotten me." But then Sam goes, well, "What about Martouf?" And then I again, I like it. They don't even have uh, Freya say anything. They just show her face, which she's like, "Oh, oh fuck." fuck. 
And then we immediately cut to the room where the meeting is happening, where we see um, people, important people from our government starting to walk in, and we see Martouf affixing the hand device that the brainwashed people have been using. And it's great! It's great framing! It's great immediate cut from just no vocal reaction, just Freya's oh no face, to yeah, Martouf has been brainwashed, guys. So this is what kills me the most. This is, uh, I've had this problem for going on 10-ish plus years. It's not that it's a flaw per se, because obviously mm-hmm. whatever allowed them to be turned into Zetarks would account for the whatever allowed them to be slipped this weapon. It's that that isn't my problem with it. It's the fact that these people were carrying around these weapons for who the fuck knows how long. And once again, it happens maybe with red shirt in the beginning, fine. Fine. They didn't know to check him. How the fuck was Aster gonna do her thing? Is it just like was it just waiting in her room or something? Or it was her like was her first thought maybe not to grab for it for some goddamn reason because of the you know like the procedure they were doing on her? Like I could see that fucking with it. But what kills me with is her. One second, one second. But what yeah. kills me the most here is I know I've already kind of touched on this because once again, they should have just tested everyone. But they also should have searched (laughs) everyone. Like, unless this thing had, like, a built-in cloaking device. Again, they don't talk about this thing on purpose because the vaguer you Mm -hmm. are, the less likely you are to have, you know, it's, it's, the the hole is smaller plot-wise. But yeah, it just kills me that, I'm guessing three people, because again, it's not, it's hard to tell with Aster. But three fucking people were going to have weapons like this. And at least one of them, there's no excuse for him not being searched. Well, I actually have an answer for Aster. If we go with the idea that the the first guy is like a regular diplomat, he's probably more along the lines of a, a Daniel role on the team, yeah? Whereas Aster is definitely more of the actual soldier side. I think her being brainwashed was literally just, don't fucking reveal that we brainwashed this guy. I don't think she was meant to be a gun. I don't think they ever expected her to get near anybody worth shooting. Yeah, that, I think that she might was fit within the specified programming thing that might, yeah that yeah. I was talking about earlier. I, I I don't that that is a point that could be the point they're going with here. Cool. Yeah. But here's the thing: she was already kind of like an outlier for my situation anyway. It's really focusing on the Tokra element here, which yeah. is that the professional motherfucking spies who literally were aware of this problem did nothing to mitigate it like it took one question for anise to figure out oh shit so why the fuck were these people never even thinking to ask these questions they just immediately assumed sg1 was the issue is that like martouf was was there like almost all the time so it wouldn't like obviously the episode actually points out that like hey someone could have a different programming where they're not supposed to target the toker they're supposed to target the president yeah which is obviously what martouf had um but like there's i think there's something to the fact that like martouf is like present for like all of the planning all of the discussion about the brainwashing i can see where you would just kind of forget to test him Sorry, I'm passing hard on that one just because that would make it more obvious to me that you need to test him because the the fact that he knows so much makes it that much more important to make sure that he's safe. Like, it never occurs to them to have any sort of redundancy at the very least. Like, it's just, yeah, I know- Arrogance. Arrogance, I get it. I know it's something we said already, but still, like, there's arrogance and then there's story-necessitized stupidity. 
Um, but yeah, so Martouf has been uh, brainwashed. And I do like that because um, we've spoken about before that like the thing I know Jarborn most from is Teen Wolf, where he was Silver Fox, a steely stare daddy, you know? Um, and uh, he's very puppy in as Martouf. Uh, we've we've had this conversation before. We actually get like steely stare for this yeah, version no, he, of JR Borg. Slightly for a evil quirk of his lips and everything. Yeah. And he's really good at it, mm-hmm. so it's great. Yeah, no. He was a welcome addition to hundred to the hundred because he was good for the morally ambiguous character, even though that season Oh, he sucked. was great. I forgot he was in that. He was great in that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate the season, but he was the only he was honestly I saw the trailer and saw him in it and went, Oh shit, I guess I will keep watching. Fuck. But yeah, so uh, the the president retinue starts to walk in, and he starts to reveal himself and starts shooting. But um, SG one, you know, came start times themselves well. That I like that the very first thing is that Jack tries to just like shoot out his his leg. Because he's thinking, like, Sam likes this guy. I don't want to fucking kill him. However, I mean, also he president... doesn't want to kill him. Period. But however, the president's uh, Secret Service just immediately goes for body hey, I shots. I, I really do like the difference there, though, because Jack. Yeah, is, no, I think he's it's going great. to incapacitate. That's not what the Secret Service is for. Their no, job no. is to completely incapacitate. I think it's great visual storytelling. Uh, honestly, I would expect the Secret Service to be a little bit more trigger happy because I would rather mm-hmm. err on the side of caution here. But uh, none of the even like taking like seven bullets to the chest isn't stopping this guy. So Teal'c runs in with a zat and shoots him once, and um, he starts to go for like the self destruct thing like the first guy did. And Sam comes in also with a zat, and Martouf like meets her eyes and says Samantha in like a pleading tone. His acting and, like, is fantastic. It is. And, like, I get that he's basically asking Sam to kill him instead of letting himself destruct. Like, it's like, a, you know, it's the it's the spare me kind of thing. I also got the um uh, element of, you know, just that terror element, you know? It's, oh, yeah, no, he, no, there was just because you know just death the, is I'm coming. Scared yeah, kind of exactly. Thing. Just because you know what's going to happen and that, you know, yeah. solves part of your issue right there doesn't mean you're you're down with it and you just because and again oh, you only have a second a to say goodbye of, of any kind yeah of him just like having that scared goodbye to her yeah. but also it was definitely like a request oh yeah no shit no, and she a lot does of shoot there. him a second time and kill yeah. him no, it's but it's just, like it's credit to why did you have to make sam kill him <laughs> oh because of course it had to be it, it's, it always has to be the loved yeah. one you know yeah, of he course he would have wanted it to be jolinar and that's as close as it's gonna get you know blah blah woof woof that's such, I, I get, it's a narrative thing, but it's like, if you really love that person, you wouldn't ask them to kill you. You'd let someone else do it. I mean, I, I can, I, I, I'm not disagreeing because there is that argument to be made. I just know that others make the, you know, the other argument depending yeah, on no, their perspective, which is they like. I the narrative element Well, not just, it. no, no, not just that. There is still the personal element, which is sometimes it's the, they would actually, it, sometimes it's not like that because sometimes it's, you both want it to be a loved one who's putting you out of your, uh, that's putting you out of your misery that's you know being the one to ease you along because it's somebody you care about so at least you know that somebody who who loves you isn't trying to cause you pain it's 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 a hospice thing more than anything from the other perspective it's just an equal perspective it just depends on who is having it yeah but yeah so he gets killed and i actually this is another one where i took like two notes for it in one paragraph i was like one i like that the toker 
CEO man um, realized that since Martouf was one of their own, they would be in some real shit if the U.S. president was hurt. So, like, Hammond asks, are, are all of your people okay? And he's like, yes. Is your president okay? <laughs> like, he, he realizes, oh, <laughs> I could be in some real fucking trouble right now. <laughs> but I also love, too, that Hammond was actually smart about this for once, and he's like, I mean, that man's fine. He's not the president. <laughs> He's a, he's a decoy. The president's still waiting to come down. <laughs> yeah. Now, everybody, uh, I do like it because it's kind of a nice uh, story wrap-up from something they did at the very beginning, which is <laughs> out themselves immediately as, yeah, no, we're not exactly the, the, the type to, uh, we're like you. We hold shit back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I like it because, I, honestly, I even appreciate the Toker's response, which was, like, he was clearly not pleased to hear that, but was like, well... Clearly, it was necessary, (laughs) so hopefully this is the last time this has to happen. Together, maybe we can start having legitimate security. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck there. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe it, but I do enjoy him going, yeah, okay, fine, fair. Yeah, uh, they found the last Zaytark, they start their treaties, that's the end of the episode. (laughs) I I do have to say, I I love that they attempted with the... yeah, Freya tries to go and Nice, whatever hell, which one it is. And Nice goes, um, you know, it sucks that he's dead, but we'll make it, we'll make sure it's a noble sacrifice. And I hate that. I hate that shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know we want to make the death not be worthless. Sure. That part, fine. Whatever. It's really just the part where it's like, yeah, but it doesn't actually mean anything to the dead person. Okay. Cause they're no. still fucking dead. So don't try to make it better right off the fucking bat. Okay. Let it be what it is, which is a shitty, terrible thing. Somebody died. Mm-hmm. Let that stand for what it is, and then you yeah. can decide to attach meaning to it. Fine, great. But it's just, everyone's always so immediately on that bandwagon, and it's like, dude, it doesn't really matter. Not right now. Not Maybe not ever, depending on who you, you know, how you want to philosophize. <laughs> that was it. That's just, I like that ending, which is like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just sad to see Martouf go. I miss, I'm going to miss the puppy. Yeah, goodbye, J.R. Bourne. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. Uh, are you a Jack or are you a Daniel for this episode? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say. I wanted to go with Jack mostly as for the usual, you know, the squee. I'm also in love with yeah, Sam. The <laughs> uh, I also am hopeless with yo-yos. It was mostly the yo-yo scene that was making me laugh. Oh, that was the, yeah, he was playing with a yo-yo while telling Daniel that the snake was interested in him. Yeah, yeah, uh. Honestly, just there was nothing really about Daniel that screamed out to me. Like there was tons of little stuff. Like he had lots of little conversation bits and so on and so forth. But honestly, he the yo-yo thing conversation me. bits with he had good conversation bits with Jack, but he didn't really get a Daniel moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't you know it wasn't a Daniel episode. Yeah, so that part isn't I, per se the issue. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna go with Jack. I'm also gonna have to go with Jack. I think mostly because what Daniel did do in this episode was be the diplomatic voice and i'm not supposed to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> no one should trust me to be the diplomatic voice <laughs> i think seven seventy one 71 episodes of the show has proven that i'm not a diplomatic voice <laughs> yeah so we're both jack for this episode um i also the fact that it's just like in the middle of a conversation that doesn't need it hey the snake likes you mm-hmm <laughs> Also, you know what? No, actually, I'm 100% Jack because that very, very not, not meant for the setting, what you doing? <laughs> That's very me. 
<laughs> like, hey, Jack, you're supposed to be in a romantic scene right now. Absolutely not. I don't agree with you. <laughs> um, so, Joaquin Phoenix. I think we already know because you've been complaining about it this whole episode. But Joaquin Phoenix for this episode. Uh, two thumbs up and a middle finger to Valenza. And it's the goodbye middle finger. Oh, yeah. No, I'm happily waving it going, bye. Not that you suck. It's just that I hate you. (laughs) Um, So uh, Jack tried to die in this episode, but nobody actually died. So we don't have to add any death tallies. But that is the end of the episode for this week. Yep. Uh, Next week, we are going to be watching season four, episode six. Window of Opportunity. Woohoo! And the summary for this episode, not that it needs one. <laughs> After SG-1 visits a strange planet in the middle of a geomagnetic storm, they find themselves repeating the same day over and over again. The team must utilize their accumulated knowledge to stop the time loop before there are disastrous consequences across the universe. Much like how Star Trek will often shrug off ion storms, they're either extremely dangerous or not, depending on how they need them to be. But they didn't. They, t- uh-huh. they tend to shrug shrug them off. It's like, oh yeah, it was an ion storm. <laughs> okay, cool, space. Um, geomagnetic storms are things that I would not just shrug off. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> but I do love how an episode I love is like many other episodes in this show. It's entirely based on a moment of seriously well to be fair this is a sci-fi show every sci-fi show requires a time loop episode oh and no they're no getting to it's it the time now, loop so. part is uh fantastic it's mostly the yeah. geomagnetic storm yeah, yeah, that yeah. drives me crazy this is much like my uh, conundrum that is farscape which is a show i love based on excruciatingly inaccurate wormhole physics <laughs> mm-hmm until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not List or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something outside of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like our show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>